Once you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. Welcome back to Octavia's Parables. This is your host, Adrian Marie Brown, joined by co-host Toshi Regan. Yay. I love you, Toshi. I love you. Um, We are at chapter 19 and a couple of announcements. One is in the continued unveiling of the artists who are going to be a part of the Octavia Butler tarot deck. Um, I wanted to uplift John Jennings. John Jennings is going to be one of our artists and he is the graphic novel artist for The Parable of the Sower as well as Kindred. He did the cover of Octavia's Brood, and he has done so many of the visuals of Afrofuturism, modern Afrofuturism. So it's a huge honor for us to have John on our team. And then Toshi, I wanted to see if you want to share about your um, concert, post-election concert. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I'm going to be doing my post-election show, which I do no matter what. Uh, every time there's a presidential plus election. And um, so this year is no different. We'll be at Joe's Pub, 7 p.m. November 4th. You can stream for free on Joe's Pub's YouTube page. And um, I'll be joined by Big Lovely and some special guests. There won't be an audience, obviously, at Joe's Pub, but at at least Mm -hmm. we'll get to uh, hang out in our home venue and play some music. And uh, this mm-hmm. also leads me to say that there will be a a, uh, a second program um, by NYU Abu Dhabi um, Art Center, and that's going to be streaming November 6th. And I don't have the times for that yet, but that will definitely be on NYU Abu Dhabi's like Facebook and YouTube page. And it'll be, you know, Abu Dhabi time. So probably really early in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, mm. um, but yeah, but that will be Abu that will Dhabi be also time. that Abu Dhabi time, honey. November that'll be November six. So I love that. Okay, that's exciting. Come through. I um I really love the sound of the, the Abu Dhabi is one of my favorite sounding places. Um, <laughs> like there's so many places I love to travel to and say the names of, but I'm like, Abu Dhabi is one of the best sounding things to me. <laughs> it's an extraordinary place. Um, mm. it's been really amazing that, um, there's a really amazing, uh, article by, it's on the, um, Par- in the Paris Review. Uh-huh. And it's when we debuted, um, Octavia's E. Butler's Parable of the Sower the Opera in 2017. Yes. And it was placing, you know, Octavia in that yep. area and yeah. the Louvre was being open the same time. So that's a, a great article to Google yes. and, uh, and check out. Yeah, You know, we can throw the link in our show notes too. Yes. Make it That'll easy be wonderful. for the people. Make it easy for the people. Make it easy for the people. There's enough hardship out there. So You know that's right. <laughs> so take us to Friday, August 27, 2027. Here we are, chapter 19. Changes. The galaxies move through space. The stars ignite, burn, age, cool, evolving. God is change. God prevails. Earthseed, the books of the living. Friday, August the 27th, 
2027. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Beautiful. I always want to sing that part. I always want to go, God is change. God prevails. (laughs) (laughs) I think you should definitely walk around doing that at all times. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we were on the beach. Our group was getting to know each other. Our group was deepening in with each other. Um, And then here we go. We find ourselves in motion. Yeah. And I should say this is Friday, August um, 27, 2027 from Notes Expanded, Sunday, August 29th. And I love that she uh, she lets you know we had to write this later. Yes. Okay? This is memory. Okay. Because this is memory because there was an earthquake. Um, there was a big earthquake. And the earthquake did what earthquakes do. Um, shook everybody up and recreated the forward motion and recreated who would be moving forward. So they survived this earthquake and it puts them into uh, into even closer communication with this uh, older gentleman who's been walking close behind him mm-hmm. um, named Ben Coley. And Ben Coley, <laughs> Lauren says... He's, he has a nice smile and he has all his teeth. Okay. And <laughs> important things. When she, uh, these are important things. I love Lauren Alamina so much. Did you? I just want to say. She's like, you know what he has? All his I, teeth. Mm. She helps another older gentleman up who's very terrified and mm-hmm. who is much older and does not have any teeth. And mm-hmm. then she sees Ben Coley moving along and she says, mm hmm, and notices he's older than her. And he has all his teeth. So mm-hmm. that's something to look forward to. Um, what's really interesting to find out is um, Harry finds some money. Yes. And this is a great conversation. I love yep. this conversation. Yeah. He finds some money. Lauren has been telling him she's going to buy him shoes. And the next time they get someplace where you can buy some good shoes because his shoes are worn out. Harry uh, counts the money. It's It's a lot of money. Yeah. And then Lauren, you know, says, you know what, you, you buy a gun with that mm-hmm. and I'm going to, I'm going to get you the shoes anyway. And in this chapter, you get to see this a lot. There's just a lot of like, we were going to do this, but now we're going to do that. Yeah. There's a lot of thinking about how to proceed. There's a lot of, you know, real quick navigation or, or just changing of things or conversations and the guns the gun situation is so real and they yeah. start to really um, value where they can find it, value um, having them, value taking care of them. They clearly become the thing that, you know, it won't save your life, but it's like the level of violence is elevated to that. If you have a gun, there's so many different kinds of people on the road. There's a multitude of people who have no interest in interacting with you. A multitude of people who, through these different things like the earthquake, um, start to change who they are. So before the earthquake, they maybe would have just tried to walk up the road and do the best they can and scavenge off of what's right in front of them. The earthquake opens up a huge door. And this door is like, well, what's going on in that town near here? Maybe we should go down the hill and see. So that is a hard thing, and I'm really hoping that you have a question related to this. I, mean, I know you do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have people 
going into the town. We have people scavenging. We have Ben Coley, who's basically moving along with the group and now interacting with the group. I, I don't recall that there's even any official Ben Coley. You could join our group. Ben Coley's no. just like there. Like, and um, there's, I'm moving with y'all. And there's these little sparks between Lauren and Ben Coley. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's I also fire. Cute. <laughs> it's so cute. It's, it's so, so cute. sweet. I love her. <laughs> She's like, that's, that's something's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's a thing about where I've seen people talk about Octavia and like why he's the age he is and what does that mm-hmm. mean? And so many discussions around this. Um, and, yeah, uh, he they is also 57, just, you know, He's 57, and I think she is, we met her when she was 15 and 24, so 18 here, right? She's 18. Yeah. Yeah, she's 18. And um, so 57, 18. Yeah. Um, and they're not talking about their age when they, they meet each other. Mm-mm, they're so, just looking at each other like. They're just looking at each other. They're saying, we kindred spirits, and mm-hmm. they're feeling that. Mm-hmm. And um Ben Coley also um, says a line that sparked a song in the opera, which I will put a little bit of in this episode called Whole World's Gone Crazy. And it's such an ironic, like a moment when it's it's almost like not enough to say. <laughs> it's just beyond. Exactly. You don't really have the words for this. Hello, old friend. Have you heard the news? whole world's gone crazy except for us hello friend have you heard the news today the whole world's gone crazy zillions of people moving on the roads trying to find their way as we gather our hearts and eyes to see the whole world's gone crazy for you and me What's on the road coming up ahead of us What's on the road coming up from behind yes, There's also true. a really beautiful conversation around their names Olamina Yeah, yeah. and um, Ben Coley Taylor Franklin His name is Taylor Franklin Ben Coley but he wants to be called Ben Coley yeah. And he starts to call Lauren Alamina, Alamina. That's yeah. his name for her. So yeah. it is a lot of sweetness happening, and you get to um, get to hear some of his story. But you also get Lauren just going, "Man, I wish he was a little bit younger." Um, mm-hmm. they... <laughs> There's always something. There's always something. There's always something. Mm-hmm. Hey, you need to take what you get. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you there was. <laughs> They also um, hear these voices coming out of the rumble, oh, and yeah. um, they and this is another another time where you see the team really strategize. You know, now they have this other other member of the team. Um, every time someone's added to the team, it feels like the team gets stronger and wiser in a particular mm-hmm. kind of way. And sometimes, um, and I feel like this is really important for us to to witness and dig and include in our own work is. The team gets wiser sometimes by having new people come in and ask questions yes. that they, they even feel they have answers to. But that new, like, look at them, that new discovery, um, 
running into people's fears, running into why they have fear and then what you can offer. Um, and, and it's amazing. So they, they decide to investigate, even though they know it's very dangerous Yeah. and knowing that it's very dangerous, which means whatever it is, they're they're Now their whole group is going to be focused on it and they have to strategize how to protect the group. So they go to, towards the voices, there's a house, the house, the wall of the house is crumbled down and Mm -hmm. they start start the process of pulling it up and they see a leg and then eventually discover that there's these two women in the house who have been like badly wounded. And so they don't know at first, you know, who they are or what they are, what's going on. And they think they're two friends, but, um, eventually they find out that these are two sisters and these are the Gilchrist sisters, um, Allie and Jill, they kind of, Allie especially is a little salty and it's just kind of like always asking, who are y'all? Like, what you doing? You know, and Harry says, we're Earthseed. And that group gets named. And it That's gets it. named. Mm-hmm. It gets named in the discovery of of introducing new people into who they are. Well, if we have to say a name, we're Earthseed. Mm-hmm. And that's a brilliant and beautiful, wonderful moment. They come out of this thing, though, earlier. They come out of the, the saving the, the two women and they're kind of surrounded by all of these people who have witnessed right. it. Right. And now they have to change how they move because now they have drawn attention to themselves. And they knew that it would happen, but they did it anyway. Yeah. And that's that's another thing. They knew that it would happen, but they yes. did it anyway. And um, without a whole lot of talk, they create a formation. They move back on their journey and they are attacked. And and uh, Lauren says before it happened, she knew she knew that it would happen. Mm-hmm. And th- there's a lot there to unpack in that battle. But the biggest thing. Um, or one of the biggest things that stood out for me is Lauren having to fight off her attacker mm-hmm. and uh, kill the person um, and use a knife. Uh, and it, it, I don't. It felt like that killing somebody with a knife was just much worse for her yeah. than shooting, killing somebody with a gun. Yeah. And um, and it is it is just the description of it is is really you know really hard. And what happens, you know, Octavia goes into detail about about what happens and the man falls on her and his blood is on her and his urine is on her and his weight is on her. And she is in excruciating pain until she feels him die. And then that happens and he's still on her. Yeah. So she has no idea what's going on. She doesn't know what happened to anybody else. And eventually Ben Coley and um and Harry get this man off of her and then they're back to like, you know, strategy. Mm-hmm. So she's not taking off these horrible clothes because she's not taking off her clothes in daylight. And they're stripping the bodies, they win the battle, they're stripping the bodies of the people who died, and they let the other people who are wounded go. So they win that, but it is just it is just so it's so hard. Yes. And um here's where Zara also just is brilliant and she's just kinda like, Girl, you're not gonna be walking around in these clothes. Like it's just it's too much. It costs too much attention. And so they create a safe way for Lauren to change her clothes until they get to the you know, put them in a bag so they get yeah. to the next place where they can 
they can wash them. A lot, a lot, a lot in chapter this is a 19. Yeah. This is, you know, this is a full chapter. And this is also the place where, you know, we start to ask, like, where, which way should we go? Yeah. Like, how should we get to our next place? We had an idea, but what should we do? Yeah. Um, so they get to go. Here's also some other things. They they go to uh, Salinas. They uh-huh. see cops. This is a town that's like kind of protected, has all these little stores in it. They didn't know if they'd be able to get into the town, if the cops would stop them, but they let them go in. They go shopping. They meet, you know all of these weird versions of security guards. Yeah. Some that are like cool, like actual security guards and some are like, you know, people in stores with guns saying you shop or not. They they buy books. Yeah. And they go to they go to to uh, kind of a yard sale. And this is where another gun discussion happens. And this one's very interesting to me because it is about like long range like being able to to take a long range shot and understanding the limitations of like handguns and Bencoli's skill comes into play here. And you also see that Lauren, she's very invested in Bencoli, but she doesn't know that he's telling the truth. So when she asks him, why won't he buy the gun? And he says, I got robbed. I only have enough money to do this. She's like, eh, I don't know if I believe him. But yeah. she trusts his wisdom, right. and they end up buying this gun. Yeah, yeah. and I appreciate that because this is also like where he kind of officially says, "Can I travel with y'all too?" And she's like, "You've been going with us, so <laughs> you know." But I think there is that <laughs> yes. thing of like, uh, you know, that she respects his opinion. She respects what he's bringing to the group, and her her not fully trusting him feels really wise, right? That it's just sort of like. This is all so new, and here comes someone who's so new that I feel attracted to, and mm-hmm. I need to keep my my wits about me somewhat and honor what's happening. <laughs> so this is great. This chapter, so much happens in this chapter, and I actually have a ton of questions for this chapter, so I think <laughs> it might be best to just like shift in and then have our conversation amongst those questions, if that That sounds good to you. So the first question I have for this chapter, it's actually one, two punch of of questions, but how do you decide who to help and who to rescue? And the second piece of it is really, how do you prioritize your resources, earned resources, you know, whatever you have on you and also found resources, the money, the time, the community, the risk. I feel like this chapter is one where we start to really understand the connection between leadership and the ability to prioritize under pressure um, mm. and to make the right choices around like, actually, this is not a time when we need to go do, you know, to scavenge or this is not a time when we need to hide or this is not a time we need to do this. This is the time when we need to buy this. <laughs> this is the time we need to buy you need to buy that gun instead of those shoes. You need to, I'll take care of this. You take care of that. And mm-hmm. so much of what Lauren is providing to this group, you get to see in those conversations of like, actually the priorities over here. And I always get so astounded by the time we're in the book at this place, because I'm like, 
she doesn't know this from experience. She knows this from reading and dreaming and planning, you know, like she's really taken in so much and, and is the learning to prioritize feels so crucial here. Mm. Um, yeah. And I feel like this is one that if I was to say what has been one of the most liberating aspects of my adult life, it has been learning to prioritize where I put the resource of my attention followed by my time, followed by my money, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm thinking in this moment, as we are gearing towards this election, this has actually been my frustration as I'm like, we don't know how to prioritize correctly. And so we end up in this loop every time where it's Mm -hmm. like, now this is all we talk about, breathe, think that it, and I'm like, it's, that's not the amount of priority that it should have, but it should have a high degree of priority. And mm-hmm. there's a lot still happening in all of our communities that needs a ton of priority. And how do we actually strike that balance? But yeah, it's such a, it's so great that you just said that. I really appreciate that. I so appreciate it because I, I think about that a lot. Like, especially if you read this book, one of the things you realize is like, if there, if there's a, a, a practice of, of care and, and of taking like our resources, especially like the resources we all feed into and making sure that they are distributed uh, properly, you know, like within some of the things like around health, wellness, education, housing, that it is very hard for this future to happen. Like it's just hard for that future to happen. And um, and if we're, if we surrender the idea that, oh, this is all we have and we don't, we don't get to change it, you know, then it's easy for yeah. this future to happen. Very easy. Um, very easy. And so like, wait, if we, like so many of us are already doing, yes. um, building our communities, building our connections and really challenging the people who get to make decisions around the resources we contribute in, like, but I would say here, if we were challenging, you know, at a like a four or five, we need to be challenging at 10, you know, yes. the, the like very local, very specific, you know, if your thing is food, if your thing is school board education, if your thing is, you know, wellness or health or whatever your thing, infrastructure of your city access, um, protecting, you know, natural resources, whatever your thing is, 10, 10, 10, 10, yeah. 10, 10. Yeah. And the best 10 that you can do, all our 10s are not the same. So it's like (laughs) with the 10 of your particular genius, whatever it is, whatever it is, will be the right 10 to have. And and I I think the investment right now in that is makes it difficult, really makes it difficult. The same thing in the last chapter when we were doing Embrace Diversity, you embrace diversity then there's yeah. there's much fewer people who are interested in your demise. So it's That's it's right. all That's of these right. things are it's about magical. like yes, <laughs> about claiming the lives that we are lead, leading and pulling the distance between people who who are empowered to make these decisions and us. Like making that such a close and intimate relationship as opposed to they're way over there being yes. wealthy and and making crazy decisions and terrifying decisions and destructive decisions. And we're all the way over here having to navigate the decisions they already made. So that's right. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's right. And, and I feel like that, like 
the place, like how we prioritize to me is how we close the gap between the mistakes of the past and our vision of the future. It's like, oh, this is what was done before. And it led us to this circumstance. And it's going to lead us to some harsher circumstances. You know, this is what I feel like the teaching around climate is like, we're 30 to 40 years behind the impact fully being felt of what we do, right? So right now we are experiencing what what technology was impacting us in the 80s. We're we're experiencing Mm -hmm. what we took from the earth and what we put into the air in the 80s is catching up to us now. And we've only increased, increased, increased. So there's more and more and more coming. And so what we prioritize in this moment is the course. That's how we course correct, right? Yes. Is, oh, our vision is not some utopian far off somewhere. Our, our, our vision has to live in the choices we make right now, right here. And in this chapter, I feel like we see Lauren doing that over and over. And mm-hmm. one of the other questions I have that feels really related to that is, when you have suffered a traumatic loss, do you become a practitioner of that trauma or a leader of another way? Ooh. Scavenge or help. Scavenge or help. And there's that moment in after the earthquake where, you know, Zara's like, let's we should go scavenge. Scavenge, right? That's what we do now. And mm-hmm. Lauren's like, no, let's keep moving. And Lauren, you know, that's a that's a political choice that she's making, right? Yes. Is we are, we are survivors of a town that was taken, destroyed, and scavenged and stripped for parts. That's right. We are survivors of that trauma. And just because that's a way, if we don't have to do that now, that doesn't need to be our way. And that's then right. later, when they hear the call for help, that's when they enter, right? Yes. And so right there, she's just modeling, like, we don't have to contribute and be part of that trauma behavior. We can actually shift and become helpers, try to move against it in a way. And it's such a... It's such a uh, formational moment of the group, but it's also a a formational moment of like Earth Seed is more than, you know, just this huge destiny to take this root amongst the stars. It's now how do we practice becoming the kind of people who would take root amongst the stars, who could trust each other for such a destiny. Mm -hmm. And I love this chapter. (laughs) I love this chapter so much. You saw uh, such a great question. (laughs) because <laughs> we all we always you know this has happened where you get permissions i remember back in the day when when um laptop mac laptops first came out and yes. it's laptops and coach bags i don't know what it is <laughs> about coach bags but somebody always had a, a truck with some coach bags on it and had laptops mm-hmm. and um and people you would just like people would be like yo you want a you want a laptop? You want a coach bag? And they were like real laptops and real coach. I mean, some of them uh-huh. were probably really phony. And I was like, I actually can't do that. Like, I could just go and buy them. You know, I could save my money yeah. and try to get one when I can get one. And, and laptops weren't like it wasn't for sure the thing you should do, right? Like, I really yes, it was it was new. We didn't understand yet, <laughs> so that we wanted to. You know, also you didn't have Wi Fi, so you weren't going to take your laptop with you everywhere like it still had to you know so anyway but I was just like (laughs) you know one of my friends was like yo what is and I was like why are y'all doing that like what 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 that is stealing you know like why y'all trying to steal steal somebody's stuff and it's it's so interesting you get you get permission to do something and do you and do you do it you know and even though you're like 
if somebody said, are you a thief? You'd be like, no, even though I bought this. (laughs) But I'm participating in the Um, chain. I'm participating in the chain, right? That's that complicit behavior. And I mean, this is one of the things, a fundamental American quality is that we are murderers, thieves, warmongers based on our taxes. But if you ask the average person, like, you know, are you, you know, in favor of constant pervasive imperial war? Are you in favor of slavery? Are you in favor of these things? You know, most people would be, oh, no, not, I'm not. But I'm Mm -hmm. like, but then if you follow your money, (laughs) your priorities say otherwise. Like where you're spending your resources says otherwise. The fact that you pay taxes into a system that you know is doing that says otherwise. And I love this idea that actually there's, these micro moments, these small moments where uh, true leaders are made by by that capacity to shift and be like, wait, there's another way. And just because this way is available to us and it's everyone's doing it, right? It's being able to move up against that peer pressure and be like, that still doesn't have to be our emotion. And it feels particularly important. One of the other questions I have here is, just about the presence of trauma period amongst earth seeds. So mm-hmm. one of the qualities of people that they seem to be drawn to are people who have undergone some kind of trauma, right. undergone some kind of, um, you know, we're already living with some kind of significant oppression in the, in the conditions like before they hit the road. And so we see that for Zara, we see that for these sisters, we see that for what Travis and, and his partner were dealing with. That, oh, they were facing already some of the pressures, the hardships, and they're gathering. And I wonder in, for our readers, for our listeners, do you gather with, move towards other traumatized people and find Mm. community and care for each other there? Or do you move away from it, right? Are you Mm. someone who's like, oh, that's damaged goods, (laughs) that's broken, let me run in the other direction? And Mm. I'll admit, I, I think I'm a little bit of both <laughs> at this point, right? Yes. Is that I don't, I can't think of anyone who's really close to me who doesn't have their own experiences of some some significant traumas um, and some significant wrestling with, do I want to be here on this earth given what I've experienced? And I also, when I sense I'm like, oh, that is too far along, right? That person's basically a paint of their own lives, like they're, in destructive cycles all the time, I, I run away or I'll move away from that energy. And it's one of the things I think we have to figure out how to contend with is we have a majority traumatized population and we are living in very traumatic conditions. And part of what I think is happening right now is the level of trauma is being unveiled to everyone. So there's been a way that it's like, oh, you can live in the fantasy of thinking that you're not involved in a traumatic society and now that is being unveiled and you have to see that it's like oh while you were safe in your bed or thought you were safe in your bed someone else was getting shot in their bed and they were getting Mm. shot in their bed in some way to protect you and yours that's the narrative that's being told and all Mm. of that's being unveiled 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 so i think there's a real like How do we, at a societal level, at a community level, at an interpersonal level, how do we get in right relationship with the level of trauma that we are currently expected to walk with, to move Mm. with, to live with? 
Powerful. So some lighter questions perhaps to come up for this chapter. (laughs) One is, what would you call your community if it was up to you? Mm. Right? So I love that. Like we are earthseed and Mm -hmm. that's what it is. And I feel a little like a, you know, earthseed adjacent. Like I'm like, I want to be down with earth, you know, like I'm over here. Um, (laughs) But I love this idea of sitting and being like, well, what do we want to call ourselves outside of the categorizations of white supremacy and capitalism right and patriarchy on. outside of what someone else has decided to call us. What do we want to call ourselves? Mm. Another yes. question here is how do we organize around our leaders' vulnerabilities? How do we organize Ooh. around our leaders' vulnerabilities? So when Lauren goes through the experience of having this person attack her, having to kill him to protect herself, the clothing, right? How the community encircles her and makes it possible for her to change, but also notices she needs help. Like she needs support. She needs care. There's something about that that feels really powerful to me that I think we need to get better at. Yeah. I I love this question so much because I think we're, we still you know, in our process of breaking up with the patriarchy and their systems of design and the whole thing about leadership where there's this somehow very strong, perfect person who knows yep. everything, amasses all this all this power and sometimes power and wealth. Although we know in our communities, sometimes a person does, power doesn't equal to their wealth. Honey. <laughs> okay. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, 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 but but the idea that they are like kind of you know somehow just without vulnerability or without like needing help, um, you know, there's it, it's and then the, I think in a lot of these uh, our revolutionary organizations, yeah. what how we're structured, a lot of them are structured, you know, the same as here we go. Brooklyn is Brooklyn likes to let you know that there's a garbage truck coming up the block. Don't edit this oh. out, yo. <laughs> Oh, I'm over we, here too. I'm like Detroit. Also, will let you know it's recycling day or yeah, whatever right. it's happening yeah, well, right now. Coming up to get this. I um, also am now in the house with my neighbor upstairs, who's who's a very um, heavy-footed child and very adventurous wonderful. upstairs. So I'm like, we're gonna hear life these days. <laughs> we're gonna maybe hear some hear some of our our community. Yes. So that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I think that we kind of can set up the same dynamic of this. You know, you have your board of directors, you have your your person, you have the second person, you have all of this stuff. And then um, sometimes the the leader has been so great and wonderful that they are allowed to stay for, you know, decades in a leadership position. And then sometimes they're great and powerful and they make a mistake and then everybody gets mad at them and then they get it's like get out of here you made a mistake and and not witnessing a vulnerability not not supporting not creating systems by which to hear and listen and blah 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 like all of the things and I think that's a really awesome question for us to ask ourselves that is a, a truly powerful moment when Lauren says you know I'm a sharer now she's vulnerable to anybody she's with and then she she puts herself out there and she never knows like when something happens if somebody's going to be there for her she's just yeah. always doing what's next to do yes the fact that she you know it's a call and response really the fact that she did the call 
and did what needed to be done when they were attacked. She's laying under this man, hollering and in unbelievable pain. She has to experience a death and she just doesn't know. And that these yes. people understanding what this means come and, and get her and um and like offer the the kind of care. And I'm not sure if Ben Coley at this point knows she's a sharer. Um, yeah, I don't think he does. But yet. he's very, you know, ahead of the game. So maybe he started yeah. to know, but didn't, you know. Anyway, uh, yeah. that's a practice I, w- I wish we all can, like, incorporate in our yes. in our stru- infrastructures of of support around leadership. That's right. We have to, we have to have humans. <laughs> we have to have humans. We have to have humans. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then our last, the last two questions, the last one of the questions is, how open is your mind around your attractions? How open is your mind around your attractions? Because, right, when Lauren sees Bancole, there's that, there's an immediate spark. And then, right, those little moments of spark that grow. And like you said, she's just interacting with him as like human, human. And there's a lot of stuff that we can examine around it. You know, my examination is always more curious his way, right? And I'm like, you know, he's looking at this 18 year old and, Mm -hmm. you know, moving towards and being with, and I'm like, Oh, what's, what's that about? How long has he been on the road? What is this orientation for him? Like, how can we trust that? And it's of course, through my filter, which is around the current patriarchal conditions and the kind of men that I see who are nearly 60 looking at 20 year old women or whatever. Right. And, (laughs) And at the same time, I'm like, there. there's also the narrative of like, and age means certain things and doesn't mean other things, especially once you're in adulthood. And there's so much to be said about experience. There's so much to be said about um, life goals and life orientation and kindred spirit, kindred soul. But I love that there's a moment where she's like, oh, I am attracted to this person. Like mm-hmm. where she's just realizing it and letting it settle into her without judgment. And I wonder how often a lot of us prejudge, right? We're like, oh, here's what other people would think, or here's what, you know, like here's what religion once told me or whatever else and shut down potential life partners or potential beautiful matches or potential comrades in the struggle or potential other things. Because I think all of those are places where attraction is what moves us towards each other, right? Mm. It might be intellectual attraction, physical attraction, emotional attraction, other things. So just how open are you in that realm, right? That's amazing. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, because I always, I love this relationship. Um, yeah. And and then the last question I have, which always occurs to me about this time in the book. So whenever I'm reading it, rereading it, there's a, where are the other people with hyper empathy? Like, where are the other sharers? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, where are they on the road? Are we going to find one? You know, like each time she comes across people in the rubble or someone else, I keep thinking like, is this going to be a sh- another sharer? You know, like, so this is that place where it starts mm-hmm. to be like, you know, how unique is she, you know, in the population? And I think the question for our listeners is, how do you, how, how are you looking for? How do you see, do you know who the other people are that have special qualities akin to yours, whatever they are? And how are Mm. you going out of your way to move against a, like, I'm the only one story 
right? Right. right. Um, and, you know, having to hide, having to be very cautious about sharing where your vulnerabilities are when you have some kind of special power or special possibility and you makes it hard to find each other. So I'm like, oh, I get that. <laughs> you know, it's not like she's put a, I'm a sharer t-shirt or whatever. Um, but I do think I see us do that sometimes where we get into these stories where it's like, I'm the only one like me. I'm the only one who feels this much, who needs this much, who loves this hard, who thinks this way, whatever it is. And how do we intentionally keep looking for others and moving ourselves out of the only one box allowing our specialness Mm. allowing our uniqueness but also not allowing the isolation of hyper speciality right wow yeah same thing (laughs) so yeah that's our show this chapter is so so much of everything yeah this one is thick and full and i'm like i'm you know just i'm hoping that People are reading it with as much delight as are we reading. Because <laughs> I'm just like, wow, there's so much yeah. here. Um, so, so our nice. show, Octavius Parables, is hosted by Toshi Regan and myself, Adrian Marie Brown, produced by Kat Aaron, and our show art is by Krista Franklin. And our music, um, Always See the Stars, uh, is written and performed by Toshi Regan. There is a new world coming is uh, written by Bernice Johnson Regan with additional lyrics by Toshi Regan performed by the cast of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower lead vocals by Shana Smalls. Um, Whole World's Gone Crazy or World's Gone Crazy is written and performed by Toshi Regan. Delightful. You can find us on Twitter at O Parables. You can sustain this show by becoming a patron at patreon.com backslash O Parables. And uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week.